Today on Legalese, we are going to be talking about how the government is bunk-fucking grandmothers in Maryland who are trying to provide bunk beds to foster kids. Hey, greetings, and welcome back once again to Legalese. Uh, my name is Bob, I am your host, and I want to thank you all so much for joining me here today. Uh, and if you are new to the show, I would especially like to welcome you. Uh, this is a podcast where we uh, largely will be focusing on current events in law, politics, and culture. Uh, now, you can find the show on a number of different platforms and in different formats. I have a video version on YouTube, Rumble, and Odyssey. You can find the audio-only version on Anchor and Spotify. And if you head over to Substack, you can find not only uh, the audio and video version of this show, but also a lot of articles that I write on various issues, uh, mostly of constitutional law, but uh, some government, some history, things like that. So links to all of those are down in this video's description. Now for today, we are going to be doing a, a segment, sort of an ongoing series that I like to do here from time to time that I call Ignorance of the Law. Now, this is where we take the time to highlight stupid, pointless, hypocritical, or otherwise useless laws passed by government to point out that while the government will be quick to tell you that ignorance of the law is no excuse for breaking the law, clearly, ignorance of the law is an excuse for making and enforcing the law. So today, we're going to be talking about how the government has taken to uh, essentially bunk-fucking grandmothers who want to take in their grandchildren who are being put into the foster care system so they have a safe and secure place to stay with someone they know and trust while their parents hopefully get their shit together. Now, next we are going to be talking about what the government expects you to do if you happen to be falsely detained by a government employee who isn't a police officer but decides to pull you over and detain you anyway. And finally... We just have a friendly little reminder at the end with Halloween coming up here uh, in a couple days uh, why you may want to reconsider your choice of Halloween costume. So let's start with uh, Maryland families who want to uh, take in foster care kids and the odd hurdle that they are facing in that state because they prohibit foster children from using bunk beds. Now, this is part of the Maryland Code of Regulations, uh, it's Title VII, uh, Chapter 5, Section 2, Subsection D3, and it reads as follows, quote, Each child shall have adequate bedding and an individual bed which shall not be a cot, sofa, sofa bed, double-tiered bed, bunk bed, or any other type of portable bed, end quote. Now, in practice, what this means is that if you don't have a lot of extra space or money, you may be disqualified from being a foster parent, even in the situation like we're going to be talking about today, where you might be a relative of the kid who wants to take them in uh, to keep the family together. Now, there is an organization, a nonprofit group called Grand Families and Kinship Support Network. Uh, this is a nonprofit uh, that focuses on uh, intergenerational foster care issues. 
uh, and they say that the law makes things very tough for extended families who are trying to lend a hand. And she gave an example of a grandmother who wanted to have her grandchildren come live with her rather than send them to the foster care home of a stranger. Uh, now, uh, their grandmother lived in affordable housing in a studio apartment, and so she didn't really know what she was going to do with the grandkids if she couldn't create or if she couldn't use a bunk bed for them. Now, of course, these rules, one would hope, were created to make sure kids have a safe place to stay. But the fact is other states approve of bank, of bunk beds. Um, and really, the, the thing is, obviously, the beds themselves are not even really the big picture. Now, the ultimate objective should be to keep families together. Now, naturally... You don't want a situation where you perhaps have uh, a family who uh, take in a bunch of foster kids and are running something like a group home in all but name, uh, who maybe have their own biological children who have their own, you know, room, uh, and you have 10 foster kids, you know, stuffed into a closet in bunk beds or something like that. I, I'm not sure how, how often that happens, if ever, but uh, anyways, really... The thing is that what you should be looking for is to find these kids a good home, not a nice bedroom set. And especially considering this is going on in Maryland, you think that they would be uh, particularly sensitive to this issue uh, and see its downside especially because uh, there is a new report that just recently came out that found that the state is temporarily housing some kids in office buildings and hotels while appropriate placement was sought. So this organization, the, uh, what is it, the Grand Families and Kinship Support Network, uh, have been trying to figure out uh, where this Maryland rule came from, and they are guessing that it was probably passed in the wake of some kind of bunk bed tragedy, uh, but they couldn't really find anything on this. And that's, this is usually what precedes idiosyncratic laws, is just single, uh, just completely random incidents like this. So one that sticks out is uh, a law that said foster families could not own a specific breed of dog. Why? Because at one point, one foster family had a uh, kid in their care who was bitten by the family dog, and because one dog bit one kid, they thought that the reasonable and proper response was to pass a law banning any foster home from owning that breed of dog. So this is obviously a ridiculous regulation. Uh, now, I am firmly of a belief that government regulations are largely pointless, and in many cases can and should just be disregarded. Now, one place I think that most people, including myself, would tend to agree where it makes sense to have some fairly uh, solid and well-enforced regulations would be with something like child protective services and foster homes. If a child has had such a lousy upbringing that it has decided they need to be removed from their parents' home while their parents, you know, hopefully take that time to better themselves as people and parents, 
we should be especially concerned with providing an emotionally safe and physically safe place for these children to be that will grant them a certain sense of well-being and security. And no one reasonable could disagree with that, I think. You know, the last thing these kids need is to go from one unsafe environment, one unhealthy environment, to a different unsafe and unhealthy environment. Just taking them from one shitty situation into another is obviously something that should be avoided. But the thing is, with government regulatory agencies, really, this kind of gets to one of their greatest weaknesses. And when you have the largest, most overbearing government in the history of the world who wants to have a say in absolutely everything you do, who demands you do exactly what they tell you, believe exactly what they believe, and support exactly what they say to support, then ridiculous things like this are going to be inevitable. Because by the time these regulations trickle down from the people writing them to the agents enforcing them, uh, the people abiding by them, you always reach a situation where the regulator uh, is not primarily concerned with what they should be concerned with here, which is the welfare of the child. They instead are concerned with everyone following the rules and obeying their orders. And it doesn't matter if the rules lack complete sense, because that doesn't change the belief that is really kind of beaten into these regulators by their superiors, that the thing of primary importance is following the rules and that the child's well-being is maybe a distant second, if really considered at all. Now, surely, if these children can be placed in the home of a family member or a close friend of the family who is looking to take care of them specifically because they know these kids, uh, they care about them, uh, and these are people that the kids will trust, that is a situation that should obviously always be prioritized over ridiculous considerations uh, like disallowing a bunk bed. Now, moving on to uh, our next uh, sort of little story here, uh, you know, it's likely that most people who will be hearing this have had been in the unenviable position of being pulled over by a police officer for a traffic infraction. And you know what you're supposed to do. But what are you supposed to do when the government employee is not a police officer who pulls you over? When this person detains you for hours, tries to perform a traffic stop, despite the fact that they have absolutely no authority to do so? Well, according to the uh, U.S. Court of Appeals for the Eighth Circuit, you are, uh, at least in some instances, supposed to simply accept this uh, as if working as a highway engineer might confer the monopoly on the use of force held by the state onto this individual. If the it, Really, if the government has one thing, it has audacity. Now, this is not a hypothetical situation by any means. Uh, a gentleman named Jonathan Large, who is an engineer uh, working for, uh, what is it, Monoman County here in my home state of Minnesota, uh, in 2017, took issue with a company uh, called CSI, they are a road repair company, uh, in a petty dispute that quickly escalated into much more. 
Now, the details go something like this. The state of Minnesota hired CSI to execute some highway repairs, which required them to travel on specific roads to complete the assignment. Now, Jonathan Large, as the overseer of these haul roads, tried to stop the company from using them. The state ultimately gave CSI access to some, but not all, routes. As the project progressed, CSI requested access to another road, uh, which they would travel on after emptying their load, thus mollifying any concerns about weight limits. However, Large was not mollified. About an hour before CSI would be on that road, he let them know that he had arbitrarily lowered the weight limit so as to disqualify their travel. And so upon seeing two CSI trucks uh, coming towards him, uh, Large used his vehicle to block the path. Now one driver testified that he witnessed uh, government officials changing the weight signs right in front of their eyes. And Mr. Large said that they would need to wait for the police to come to ticket them before he proceeded uh, to go and call the sheriff's office. And the White Earth Tribal Police Department and state troopers were all came to address this situation of a truck that he alleged was overweight, as other seemingly overweight trucks continued down the road unbothered. So he just arbitrarily lowered the limit from 5 tons per axle to 5 tons total, which would make it illegal for even many pickup trucks or vans to use those roads. Now, he did this to target this company's trucks, which were running empty on these roads. This was just a petty power play on his part. So he let other heavier trucks pass by and he only stopped CSI trucks and detained those drivers. Now, you would think that this is a free country and that means we should be able to drive on the same roads as anybody else. Uh, and any government official who would abuse their power in such a way surely should be held to account. So, unsurprisingly, CSI sued. They sued for usurping this extrajudicial activity, and the federal courts awarded Jonathan Large qualified immunity. Now, uh, this is essentially a protection uh, for local and state actors from facing civil suits for violating the Constitution. But the reason behind that decision uh, that uh, CSI uh, apparently is not legally permitted to even ask a jury to consider may almost sound like a parody. Now, the doctrine of qualified immunity protects government employees uh, when the alleged violation is not clearly established in prior court precedent, meaning CSI would have had to find a previous ruling with nearly identical facts. And the result was that, according to the court, under the unique circumstances of this case, we cannot say that it was clearly established that Jonathan Large could not call law enforcement to investigate 
compliance with the new reduced weight restriction that he created entirely arbitrarily and even it sounds like somewhat capriciously. And that is what the circuit court judge, uh, Judge Bobby Shepard, had to say about this. And you would be uh, forgiven for already assuming that such a similar case did not exist. But this is the standard demanded by the often entirely unforgiving protections afforded to the states through horrible uh, doctrines like qualified immunity. So now CSI is asking the... asking the U.S. Supreme Court to hear the case and to make it crystal clear that government officials are not protected for misconduct when assuming duties and powers that aren't within their purview, such as someone who works for essentially the Department of Transportation making a stop as though they are a police officer. So really, if there is one thing that proponents and opponents of qualified immunity agree on, uh, it would be Uh, that government officials can only claim qualified immunity if they were doing their jobs. Officials can't receive qualified immunity when their actions far exceed any reasonable interpretation of their authority. Uh, The courts must make it clear that Jonathan Large should, and in fact must actually, leave that job to law enforcement, who are the ones who are trusted to enforce the law. Now, importantly, the majority on the court argued that Jonathan Large hadn't actually detained anyone because he didn't exercise, as they called it, brute force. But this entirely fails to reckon with the fact that Large had instituted a complete roadblock, hamstringing CSI's vehicles and ordering them to remain in place for police, which took uh, allegedly around three and a half hours for them to arrive. Now, this was a point not lost on one of the circuit court judges, Judge uh, Stephen Grass, who uh, dissented in this case. And he said, quote, There's a new sheriff in town. The holding implicitly cloaks such officials such as Jonathan Large with near absolute immunity for their actions, since there are no existing case circumscribing or defining the scope of this newly discovered, unwritten law law enforcement authority, end quote. Now, of course, over the past few years, some Republican politicians have actually made defending qualified immunity a core part of their campaign, ensuring government unaccountability and really doing this in a very partisan way. And this seems like a very uh, strange hill for conservatives to die on. And finally, uh, I just want to uh, close out by recognizing here that Halloween is fast approaching and NASA and the federal government want to give you a friendly reminder about the importance of respecting trademarks and copyrights especially when it's a government trademark. So it turns out, trick or treating, dressed as an astronaut, according to the law, just might make you a felon. Trick or treat! Oh, aren't you so cute? A skeleton, a Republican mermaid, and a criminal. I'm an astronaut. I know what I said. (laughs) 
It's a federal crime to use the NASA insignia without permission. Got it. All right. Well, that's really all I got for you guys here today. Thank you so much for joining me here on Legalese. Uh, if there's any uh, law that you would like me to cover in a future episode of Ignorance of the Law, uh, that'd be great. Uh, you can either just leave a comment down below uh, or you can always send me an email to legalese at gmx.us uh, and just let me know. Uh, yeah, if there's any law or any story, any court case like that, that you would be interested to see covered here. So, uh, yeah, I, I if you guys would take a moment, I always hate doing this, but it just helps feed Al Gore's rhythm uh, by, you know, hitting that like button. Uh, uh, subscribe to the channel if you're not already subscribed to make sure you always get notice about uh, get the notices about new videos. Uh, please leave me a comment. Uh, I really do uh, enjoy very much getting to uh, interact with you guys in the comment section of the video. So, uh, yeah, anyways, that's all I really got. So until next time, this has been me, Bob, for Legalese. Uh, and of course, as always, Delinda S. Cartago. Like Freddie Mercury. Mercury.